she would take us group of kids on all these like you know mishmash of horses and we'd go up over the hill and then as soon as we were out of sight from the riding school she'd be like right let's go <laughs> take off at a million miles an hour so um the first time i ever really jumped anything um i jumped like a gate and uh, like oh, i was jumping like stone walls and like blackberry bushes like i mean it was just like hunting it was, wow. like proper fox hunting and uh just a white knuckle ride i just held on and then by the time i got back i was like oh my god i think i want to do that forever (laughs) welcome to the major league eventing podcast the show for eventing fans by eventing fans Just want to again, Karen. Thank Randy Good Equestrian. Oh yeah, absolutely. Keeping you looking all warm and cozy and fancy. Fancy. <laughs> so, <laughs> if anybody at home wants to, uh, you know, it's not too late. Plenty of winter left. So, uh, what's that promo code, Karen? Andy? It is MLE forty. MLE forty. Save forty dollars. Yep. So enter that at checkout, guys, and get warm and dry. So, thanks a lot, Randy Good. Thank you. Hey, Karen, we got another five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I saw. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, this comes from our good friend, Laura Crump Anderson. Yes, it does. What's it say up there? She says, I have been a fan of this podcast since the beginning. I know that every time I will learn something, this has become a staple of my Wednesday morning. Tuesday night is like Christmas, wondering who I will learn from next. Matt Brown's podcast is a must-listen, as is Max Corcoran and Daniel Stewart. I could keep going because each podcast I have listened to, I've truly enjoyed. I love Rob and Karen's vision and passion for the sport. Oh, thank you, Laura. Thank you. That's super nice of you. Thank you very much. And Laura, she's a two-time guest on the show, Karen. She sure is. Equestrian Fitness Specialist. Check her out, everybody. So, Laura, thank you very much. We really appreciate it, and you appreciate uh, that, that you came on the show with us. Yeah, thank you. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. And Karen. Yeah. I say this every time, but I'm super, super excited to have our guest tonight. Yes. Uh, uh, one of my favorite Australian eventers, Mr. Dominic Schramm. Dom, Woo. thanks for coming to the show, okay. buddy. Hey, thank you. <laughs> I, Rob, I thought I was your absolute favorite Australian. It yeah. wasn't Woodsy before, was it? Yeah. <laughs> oh. We had Kate on. Yeah, you, you're and all Philip. my and Philip. Yeah, we just Philip. Yeah. <laughs> we'd have, we'd have had, we've had a good couple of uh, Australian. I love all of you guys. You guys, all all of you guys are. Uh, I feel very. Uh, I don't know. I get along. I feel like I get along good with the Australians, Karen. Mm-hmm. I don't know I what it is. So. But. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny too. Like ever since we've moved here, I think we've got a lot in common, you know, like uh, in a lot of ways. I think we, I, I know that the, us, the boys, when we talk about it, like we just love living here and love the people here. You know, we've had a lot of fun since we moved here. That's awesome. You don't, you, you know, ha, ha, speaking of that, like when you came, do you feel well received by like the American people when they meet you and stuff? Oh, absolutely. I mean, almost like it's it's almost too good to be true sometimes i mean to have come from another country as a basically an unknown person no one's got a clue who you are you know the 
American people, the people that come to the clinics, the people that take lessons, like just the people I've met through the community, like everyone's just so awesome, which to be honest, like going to a place like England or something like that, it's definitely a lot more, it's a little bit more standoffish. Well, see, with the English, we're kind of a dirty colonials, so <laughs> we're, it's kind of a different relationship. But I feel like, um, no, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. I absolutely love living here in the United States. Oh, that's oh. fantastic. We appreciate that. So you're a pretty busy guy. We always try to find out where, 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 um, where, where you are at, where we're talking to you from. I hear a little noise in the background. Where, where, where are you at there? Uh, well, I'm, I mean, I spend pretty much my time is split up between um, standing in an arena teaching people, sitting on the back of a horse, or at an airport. So <laughs> right now, um, I'm at an airport. I'm in uh, Philadelphia right now on my way um, from Florida, where it was a balmy 72 today. I'm heading up to uh, Massachusetts um, and to teach a clinic tomorrow, where it's going to be, I think, 20 or something. Oh. <laughs> so, with a major snowstorm on the way. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you're living yeah, that, you were living that rock star life, Dom. Yeah, Rina. yeah. Well, we it was originally going to be a full weekend, but we've um, we've tried to consolidate it into one day so that hopefully we can kind of beat, oh, good. beat the, the bulk of the snow. Because you know, I feel bad. I, you know, a lot of people have made plans and, and stuff like that, so we're going to do our best to make it work. So oh, yeah, good. that's awesome. That's awesome. We'll talk yeah. more about clinics as we get going. Um, so we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, right. do we, Karen? I get no. so excited. I know. So it's my good buddy Dom. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm so excited to have you on. But I mean, I know I, we've known anyone who listened to the Jimmy Shram interview knows that we've known you guys for a while, and uh, I feel yeah. kind of close to these guys, Karen. Don't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mm-hmm. I feel like you're a friend, Dom. I got to be honest. So absolutely. Well, I mean, I feel like you guys were kind of came in and uh, met us sort of in the early days when yeah. we first moved back up, uh, moved up to Pennsylvania, and. We were uh, sleeping head to toe in uh, Woodsy's uh, single bed at the, one of his spare rooms. You know, like it was, it was, uh, it was humble beginnings. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, I, re- I remember meeting you guys, and it's this is what I mean though. Like it's been so awesome to be able to you know kind of become a bit more part of the community up there in Unionville and sort of slowly build the business and the string of horses. And it's, you know, feels like we're on the right track at least. That's so. awesome. Yeah. It's been fun to watch you guys progress over time for sure. So, Dom, uh, yeah. what, one thing we like to do is we like to hear your origin story. So, can you tell us how you got your started in riding and then into eventing? Um, sure. Well, um, uh, originally, so my mom is the, the horse crazy one. Like, she's the quintessential, like, just horse mad young girl. And uh, <laughs> she, um, she, she grew up, um, my, my grandma was the matron of the hospital out in Charleville, which is outback Queensland, Australia. So sort of in the middle of whoop whoop and not much going on. But whoop, whoop. Is that um, a real term? Is, is that a nickname or is that a real place? Whoop whoop. Um, <laughs> the, the Australian in me wants to lead you on there, but no, it's just slang for uh, the middle of nowhere. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, so she grew up there and like kept her horse in the, you know, in the hospital paddock and and then, you know, she, she is pregnant with me, and I think she just, in her head, she was absolutely certain that she was going to have a, a young girl that is she could, you know, teach to ride horses with her. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but a long time ago, there was a, a saddle that came out called the Ainsley, and um, my mum loved it. And so she had in her head that I was going to be a little girl, and my name was going to be Ainsley. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so when I came out um, two weeks late, uh, she, I don't think she quite knew what to do with me. She was like, this changes everything. Um, 
but uh, either way, she gave me a name a couple of days later, and uh, slowly but surely, I, I ended up sort of finding my way into, um, you know, sort of going around uh, with my mum because she was writing at shows at the time um, in hacking, which is kind of a bit of a different. It's um, it's kind of the grassroots sort of entry level. Uh, it's it's a little bit like hunters, but without the jumping. Kind of okay. like um, it, it's just it's quite popular in Australia. The little ag shows and all these little towns. And my mum was very good at that. Um, and so I was sort of getting traipsed around shows, and you know, eventually got on a little ponies, and I had a little pony called Piping Pedro there at one point, and he bucked me off every day for about <laughs> two years, and <laughs> it was it was kind of a very um, probably not the most inspiring um, uh, introduction into writing. I was never really a, an overly talented writer, I don't think. Um, you know, I didn't have like, like a natural gift. I was never the kid that that everyone was like, whoa, he's really going to go places. I think everyone just was kind of like, oh, he tries hard. You know, like, um, so, yeah, it just sort of morphed from there. Um, and, uh, yeah, eventually... Um, sort of slowly got into more in the dressage but of all things I actually did a bit of that when I was kind of a younger teenager um, then uh, my mum and my stepdad we actually moved to England when I was about uh, I think 10 or 11 and, um, and so you know obviously we didn't take the horses um, but we were there and there's a little village called Stockbridge in Hampshire and uh, I used to go there and I, uh, on the weekends they would have these like um, like I guess these like pony things where they would go out on the like on the moors and, and, and run around and so I'm, I distinctly remember it. I'll never forget it actually. Um, I got on this little pony called Treasure, and uh, and there was a young probably a who's someone who was going on to be a real successful event rider. But at the time she was a young girl, probably 18, 19 years old, and uh, she would take a group of kids on all these like you know mishmash of horses and we'd go up over the hill and then as soon as we were out of sight from the riding school she'd be like right let's go <laughs> take off at a million miles an hour so um the first time i ever really jumped anything um i jumped like a gate and a, like oh, i was jumping like stone walls and like blackberry bushes like i mean it was just like hunting it was wow. like proper fox hunting and uh just a white knuckle ride. I just held on. And then by the time I got back, I was like, oh, my God, I think I want to do that forever. <laughs> wow. was, it was really fun. So, And then, yeah, came back and got into the eventing kind of as a young teenager and have been doing it every day ever since. Wow. Wow. Holy smokes. So mm-hmm. so, so was the trip to the Great Britain, was that just a short trip or was that like a move and then you moved back like later on? Uh, yeah, we, we lived there for about 12 months, I think. Oh, okay. We, so you were back by yeah, 11, 12. Yeah. So I went to school there and everything and um, and came back and – and then the other thing too, and I'm not sure if some of the Aussie boys talked about this. You know, at that time we were coming off, um, we were coming off, I think, three Olympic gold medals in Australia, and so there was kind of this, um, I don't know, like a, like a bit of a vibe. Um, you know, it was a sport that we had done well on in the Olympic Games and the world scene, and, and it sort of kind of out of obscurity a little bit, I guess you could say, and. Uh, and so there was this kind of feeling like if you were just a young kid and a bit of a thrill seeker and had a good work ethic and got a got a half reasonable horse, like you could really, you know, put your head down and your bum up and really have a go at this, you know? So I was kind of, I kind of came in on the tail end of that. I think that was a, a sort of a thing that a lot of us young Aussie guys kind of got into the sport kind of on that um, wave, if you will. So. Gotcha. 
Were you, uh, like, did you, I know a little bit, like, I know Kate, met, Kate, Kate mentioned when we interviewed her that she had met you when you were like a young teenager. And then, and, uh, like, did you, you, did you know, Woodsy, like, did you do the, like, the, the Heath Ryan route? Like, wh- wh- what was that as you kind of came up and, and became older and started going? So I was up from Queensland where, um, Kate's from, and which is, which all those boys, like Ryan and Boyd and all those guys, they all pretty much came from around Sydney. Um, so while I was still at school, I would actually go and be a working student in the summers, um, actually for Kevin McNabb. And that's where we were, we went down to a show in Coffs Harbour. And I, I remember I bumping into Kate filling water buckets. So I think I must've only been 14 or something. Okay. Um, and that was actually when I first met Boyd too. Um, uh, my horse tried to stop and run out at the first fence cross country. And I like gave it a big kick and like kicked it over from a standstill and fell up on the neck and like <laughs> and i think and boyd was walking the course right there and he was like yeah come on yeah, that <laughs> sounds like him. <laughs> he was he was pumped and uh, so i met him then and then once i finished school um i actually uh, uh chris burton who um is also from not far from where i went to school and stuff he's another queenslander um he called me up and, and asked me if i wanted a job and come down so I didn't really have anything. I just kind of packed up my bags and, and, and rocked up down there because he, he had gone, um, he had sort of been part of that New South Wales Equestrian Centre sort of um, deal and, it, um, you know, sort of set up a little base there in Western Sydney. And, and then I, uh, so I, I went down there and, and kind of worked for him as a working student. And then through that, I met Ryan and, and all those guys like Ryan was a little bit closer in age to me, whereas those other guys were a little bit older. So, um, but yeah, I ended up getting to know everyone and, and sort of, that's sort of where it really got serious for me. Wow. Hmm. That's really awesome. Hmm. So did, did you do much traveling outside of Australia before you came here or did you? So not, not too much. I mean, um, so we had that equine influenza hit and uh, that was basically shot down the whole country. It was in, uh, I think, 2007. Um, we had this flu outbreak and we'd never really had anything like it. And so all the racing was shut down because, like, I was riding yeah. track work in the mornings and breaking horses in. I mean, we were all sort of doing whatever we could just to sort of get by to sort of, you know, pay for the habit a little bit. Um, and uh, so when the flu hit and everything shut down, I mean, we were all we were all just like, what do we do? So I avoided sort of just about flowing the coop by then, I think. And then, I mean, Kate was working in a master foods factory making like um, ketchup packets. Um, uh, Me and Ryan set up a handyman business where we were like chopping down dead trees and painting fences and like just whatever. I mean, like any, we would do, if if we thought, if we thought we could do it, we would, you could pay us to do it pretty (laughs) much. Um, So we were doing that and, um, and, you know, and, and then we started hearing these, like, these tall tales from our friend Boyd Martin about the, the promised land. And, uh, <laughs> and so um, I know uh, Ryan, because Ryan had like, sort of set up a business. He was a few years ahead of me. Um, and he, he basically was itching to, he was, he, he, we were all looking for a little bit broader horizons. And that's, that's nothing against our upbringing in Australia. Like, I'm very grateful for it. But we just kind of felt like, we wanted to be bigger and better and really sort of, I don't know, pursue it to the fullest extent. And, um, and so with Boyd kind of telling us about this, you know, we, we eventually, I mean, I remember distinctly sitting at the pub as like a 19 year old kid and, and with Ryan and just us saying, you know what, I think we should, I think we should move overseas and in particularly move to America. 
Um, so what I did was, because um, I wasn't really in a place to really like fully relocate and move horses and everything, I just mm-hmm. bought a round-the-world ticket. Um, it was pretty much all the money I had. So I went to – actually spent 12 months just going – I came to America first, then I went to England, then I went to Germany, and then returned home. And the idea being – a, I wanted to sort of improve my riding a bit, but also kind of get a taste for each place and then figure out where I wanted to go. And um, so America was the first stop, and I actually ended up in Ocala um, in January, I think January oh, through March. That'll uh, suck you in. That'll suck you in. Yeah. <laughs> you think all of America's got palm trees at that point. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was. I didn't realize it was a little bit of um, – it was kind of a surprise once I actually finally moved here and had a bit more of a look around. <laughs> to the country but um but no so i I did that for 12 months i think that would have been in 2008 um i spent the whole year just sort of traveling the world with just two suitcases and kind of going from barn to barn just sort of you know picking up stuff where i could i got to go to badminton and and i helped groom for paul tapner and i went and worked at a big stallion station in germany and went to the border championnat and you know like just kind of got a bit of a taste and by the time I ended up back in Australia a year later, I then was absolutely 100% dead set on moving to America. I knew I wanted to move here. So. Wow. That's awesome. America, yeah, America yeah. won out, Karen. Yeah. USA. <laughs> USA. Yeah, it sure did. I mean, I, just, I liked the people and I liked the, the scene. I felt like there was opportunity if you were prepared to come here and work hard. And um, Yeah, and just the, I guess the fact that you it, – it looked to me that you could – really build a life here you know it felt like in some of those other places that you know you were just gonna i mean you're always gonna work hard if you're a professional in the horse industry Mm -hmm. like there's no getting around that but it looked like a place that i thought that you could really build something and you know buy a house and and have a farm maybe one day you know whereas the other places that sort of felt so out of reach i guess yeah well that's whoo so that's a lot, you know. That's a lot for anybody. That's a lot if you lived, if you're from the country that you're in to say, you know, someday I'm going to be able to muster up enough money to buy land and and then be able to operate a business. That's uh, ooh, that's scary. So how did, so at that point in time, how much, how, how long from that like kind of world tour till you actually kind of making the move over to America? How how much time? So I I moved back to Australia and. Um, I think when I left, I'd already paid for my ticket and I had about 200 bucks and that was when I left the country and then <laughs> I got back to Australia and I had, I think, like 350. So it wasn't, I actually had or like come out a little bit on top, but um, <laughs> it, needless to say, I wasn't in any position to, uh, to you know, uh, make a move right there and then. So I started working on the, um, on the like visa process, which, you know, is, it's kind of time consuming right. and stuff and. Um, I got a job working at Woolworths, which is kind of like our um, Tom Thumb, or it's like a supermarket chain. Yeah. Um, so I got a job there working and doing night fill. So I like, you know, going in at six at night and then like stacking the shelves and stuff all night. Um, and then I started, I would ride a little bit at the racetrack and like, I'd do go there on the way home in the morning. Um, like I'd go from the uh, supermarket to the racetrack and then wow. go back to my parents' house. Luckily, they let me stay there for a bit and... Um, and then I would get some, try and get some sleep. And then I was sort of teaching a few lessons. Um, I, I had done a little bit of teaching up there before I left initially. So, um, you know, I had a few lessons that I would drive around and teach for extra money. And so I was just trying to save money basically and, uh, and try and get this visa thing going. And 
And then, you know, Boyd sort of told me that he really thought I should try and bring a horse if I could because he said, basically, you rock up and you're just a, you know, you're a random. Um, so if you had a horse to ride, you can kind of get up and running a bit quicker and people can see that you can ride and stuff. So um, I ended up trying to get a hold of a horse. And uh, so I was trying to not only, you know, pay for a horse yeah. and get the visa thing going. It, so it took me a little while. I think I didn't end up um, actually moving to America until the following August. So probably about another 18 months. Um, wow. And um, and actually, in that time was when I met Jimmy. So because I was keeping up with Boyd and Ryan, and um, you know, like talking to them pretty regularly, and they were sort of inspiring me. And uh, then you know, Ryan was dating Jenny Brannigan at the time, and Jenny and Jimmy were good friends, and that's kind of how we got introduced. And so she eventually came over um, after talking to me for a long time, and came over to visit. And I guess you could say we sort of started dating and. So we were doing kind of the long distance thing. You know, I was going there and she was coming here and sort of doing that for the following sort of 12 months before I actually moved over to. Wow. So. so your motivation yeah. to get over here was was pulling from all different angles. All I knew I wanted was that I wanted to get here. I wanted to get here for the girl. I wanted to get here for the, <laughs> the new star. And, um, yeah, I was anxious. But uh, eventually it all, it all came together. And so I, I, I rocked up here officially – on the 15th of August of 2010. I got to ask you something. This is this sure. is a crazy question. Uh-oh. So the Australian accent, all the ladies swoon for the Australian <laughs> accent. And they, the ladies with the Australian accent, that's kind of cute too. What's an American accent sound like to an Australian guy? Is there, is well, there, is it, uh, is it uh, romantic sounding or what? Well, I mean, first of all, I don't, I, I don't have too many girls swooning over me, so maybe I'm just not quite uh, good looking enough. But uh, either way, that's neither here nor there. But um, no, I gotta say, I, I gotta say, for me, I think that the um, the southern, the more southern accent is kind of, I think it sounds pretty cool. Um, I really like this. I mean, you might have a little bit of a bias cause you guys grew up here, but like, I really think like the Louisiana accent sounds really cool. And, <laughs> okay. um, and the Texan accent, I, I would say the accents that I don't really like as much would be like the, the Southern California one or the, um, like the, the real harsh, like Jersey one. They're, yeah. they're a little yeah. bit harder, harsher, I guess. You could but, say that, no, bo- it, that Boston, that Boston accent. Boston. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is on the way to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. Just, just had to yeah. throw that out there on you. <laughs> so I was always curious it, about that, like because uh, I don't know. It just uh, I was curious what the American accent sounds like to uh, someone from not not in America. And good well, thing he did say Texas. Texas, yes, yes. So definitely. The oh Texas yeah, no, accent. I like the Texas accent. And That's you got to remember too, you know, when we grew up in Australia, like we hear all the American music and see American films, so we're sort of growing up with it a bit. Too, gotcha. You know? Like we we kind of hear it a lot more probably than you guys hear ours. So. Yeah. Gotcha. That's funny. I was just kind of curious about that. I was, I don't know, you're a perfect guy to ask about that since you married an American <laughs> girl. So I figured, you know, did that? I don't know. But uh, so okay, so you make the trip over to America. Um, so that kind of, you know, leads us to kind of where we're at today. I mean, uh, um, can you tell us about the business and I guess we can't not talk about the invention days and everything. So can you kind of take us through the, the invention thought process and how that went and then up to today's current business? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we, we kind of got, got started and we knew we wanted to, 
everything for us is stems from us trying to go to the big shows. Like that, that's our goals. You know, it's what motivates us. It's not to make money or to have a million borders or anything like that. We just wanted to kind of build the horsepower and get better at riding and try and be competitive at four stars. Um, so we moved up to Pennsylvania with that intention just to be in the middle of it. You know, we knew this is where the good riders were sort of coming to be. And, uh, but, you know, as like anything, when you first start out, it's slow. It's it, No one knows who you are, and you're kind of just another sort of random person. And um, So, you know, it was kind of slow going, and we had a little bit more time up our sleeve. And, um, you know, I, I had actually had an idea to write a book about um, teaching. Um, I'd always taught a lot of kids in sort of remote areas because that's sort of how I grew up. And uh, I felt like there was a, a better way to sort of, I don't know, a more encouraging way to teach people without 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 being uh, without give, like giving them good information but in a way that they sort of wanted to learn it um mm, yeah. and and you know originally i wanted to write a book but then i sort of thought you know a book is probably not the best thing at the time it was like 2012 you know and the internet was taking off and and so you know to sort of cut a long story short i you know uh, we did we started filming the videos um these tutorials and uh Originally, it was quite stiff and stuck, and it was scripted, and we tried to do it all proper, and then we were sort of muck, spending so much time mucking around in front of the camera, and <laughs> I was uh, cracking jokes all the time, annoying Jimmy, and eventually, I think people realized that that was actually more, they liked that genuine side of it, where it was, you know, we never scripted a mention, ever, except for the first episode. Uh, everything was just, you know talking to the camera and trying to talk about what we knew and what we were trying to help people with, and, you know, I think that... Being, it being genuine like that, I think people liked it. And, uh, you know, it, it never, we never thought it was going to be as popular as it became. It sort of grew into its own thing. Um, and then for me, it, it really helped me uh, get my name out there for the uh, clinics. Um, like a lot of people contacted me about doing clinics once sort of invention got rolling. And, um, you know, so, and I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty busy clinician now. Like I would say I spend probably as much time on the road as anyone um, teaching and I got a, probably a mention to thank for that for that exposure um, you know and then eventually as we started to grow we just had less and less time and um, and you know in all fairness like I, I like invention I miss it I, I, I loved having that interaction with people it was awesome to, to make some you know fun stuff and for people to really relate to it but at the same time too I sort of said to Jimmy you know I didn't do like I didn't move here and do all this and, and work this hard to try and be a YouTube star, you know, I want to, I want to be an event rider, and I want to kind of focus on my riding and my horses, and so that's that's a little bit the explanation yeah. as to why we kind of quietened down a bit, and I, I hope people understand that. Um, it's not that we don't want to do it; it's just you know, there's only so many hours in a day, and I already feel like I've got three full time jobs. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a really cool experience, and um, I'm grateful that we that we got to kind of have that happen to us. So. That's awesome. You know, I think Karen, the first time I remember mm -hmm. Dom Shram. We were at Plantation, and I think we saw the camp, the Invention camera crew was there, and they had like cool jackets. I was like, "Wow, who's this Invention?" And then you were doing the puissants. Oh, oh yeah, yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> and then that was our first uh, first time we ever met you, and and your your personality definitely came out in that. You were having a good time jumping. I, I was I was trying to uh, ramp up the the crowd, but uh, to be fair, a bareback puissants like jumping six feet that's a that's a one and done type deal. Like uh, <laughs> I, I I I got to do it. I had to go at it. I fell off, and uh, I don't think I'll be doing it anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but but you know, you think about it. 
that was uh, for Karen and myself. That was the first time we ever saw you, and it stuck out. Right. Yeah. You know, like so things like that are good for that guy to kind of, you know. Maybe didn't know a lot of people in America, so right, yeah. yeah now, now, you, now that you think about it, it, probably wasn't a bad thing to do, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it, got, it got, it got, you know. That was before Evention was like we ever saw an Evention video, so we we kind of figured out. Oh, there's this Dom Shram fella. Who's he? You know, we we had no idea who you were, where you were from, nothing. So pretty awesome. Right, yeah, good marketing I, I mastermind. Was, <laughs> well, it was just. I think it was. You know, it, it, the thing, the funny thing about it is, is you know, I didn't probably really even think about doing it with that intention. It sort of ended up working out that way. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, my primary intention was not so much that. I don't really know why I was so passionate about it. I think I just really wanted to, I think I just really wanted to put some, in, I thought there was a bit of a void, you know, and I felt like, I felt like in our sport, sometimes there's this stigma that, if you don't know something, like like something, say you don't know how to pick studs, that if you you almost, I see people almost a bit too afraid to even mention that they they're not comfortable with picking studs because it's something that they feel like they should already know, and it's embarrassing to bring it up. Huh. And I felt like that I felt like that happened a little bit in in the sort of English disciplines. Like if you didn't know it, you were kind of stupid. And it's like no, everyone's got to learn it for the first time. Yeah. Yes. So. So that was kind of another little reason why we sort of tried to do it in a way where if we were, you know, talking about, let's studs, for example, you know, we try and do it in a way it's not condescending, you know, not making people feel stupid for not right. knowing or, or learning something new. No, I think that's absolutely brilliant. And I think we probably saw every episode because we were fans just like everyone else. I and mean, it was fun. It was, you know, I, I remember looking forward to yeah, each week, every week, you know, it was, it was, each week, yeah. it was fun. And you guys, I mean, really, whew. I mean, that blew up fast. That that was... Uh, that- it, it really did. I mean, towards the end, I think I, last time I counted on both Vimeo and YouTube, and we had, I think, nearly 10 million views or something wow. total. Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty big. And I mean, they're still getting watched today. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Well, it's, it's timeless stuff. I mean, it's riding horses. It's exercises. It's... Sh- you know, we learned how to pull off a shoe on Avengers. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, cool. I mean, uh, you know, say no. Guess what? We went out. We went out and got a pair of those. Uh, 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 I forget what the name was now, but the you know the, the uh, crease nail the crease nail pours. Yeah. You know, next thing you know, yeah. hey, the trailer's got a pair of crease nail pours in it now, buddy. Guaranteed. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think they're yeah. supposed to be. There. They're supposed to be. Yeah, they're they're an aching right now with the show. So who knows? I don't even know if the trailer's still in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> yes. If anyone's in Stable View, <laughs> give us a report on our trailer and truck. <laughs> uh, just kid, just kid. So now today, uh, you're 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 off on the road. You said you're doing a lot of clinics. How many uh, how many weekends a year do you think you're out on the road? Um, this year will be. I've, I've had a couple busy years. Last year, I, I sort of took a little bit of time in the fall to really focus on my competition horses. So I think I only had 14 weekends away last year. And, this this year is looking more like sort of twenty to twenty five wow. somewhere in there, and then Jeez. I do I do go a little bit like in the midweeks, you know, like on a Wednesday. Like so, what I'll do is I'll get up real early, um, and then I'll ride horses, and then try and get to the airport, say by like ten or eleven, and then fly somewhere, and then teach like that afternoon evening, and then teach real early the next morning, and then fly back with enough time to maybe ride a couple that evening. So. It, the good thing about that is, is it helps kind of keep the weekends a little bit open, more open. Um, so between that, I mean, I probably, I mean, I would have somewhere in the range of 50, like 50, 
like flying trips uh, to teach like Mm. over the year so it's it's pretty busy i mean the way we sort of structured it like it's it is it's a lot and um you know it's kind of tiring and it doesn't you know he doesn't give any room for a day off or anything like that because i gotta get back and ride but the one thing it does really offer is it um it gives me a chance for monday through sort of friday um to really focus on the training you know like really i feel like i have the time to put into the horses and i don't you know it's not like if i if some people teach six lessons every afternoon and it's hard to like give your your horses all the attention you might want to whereas the way we do it i feel like it you know it's i'm tired but at least i know on monday i'm like okay i've got all day to really work on the flat work or i can go and take a lesson and i feel like i can fit it in you know so that's Mm -hmm. really the reason why i'm sort of trying to do that so that i can spend more time getting better at riding and you know making these horses better so gotcha so today's friday you're flying out to Boston, like you said. You're laying over in Philadelphia. Can you give us an idea what what your day's been like up to you hopping on an airplane? Um, okay, sure. So I got up early this morning. I think um, started te- I taught a lesson first thing, and then rode one, two, three, four. I think four horses, and then because a lot of the guys that are with us are going to a show this weekend okay. on, on Sunday. So I taught then one, two, three, four, five, I think five or six lessons wow. after that and then got to the, you know, left of the airport and then flying here and then I think I get into Boston at like 10 to 11 and then it's probably about an hour drive up to where I'm going and then t- tomorrow will be sort of teaching all day and then I think fly out at 6 and get back to Orlando at 12, which means I'll get back to bed at 1.30 and then, you know, Sunday will be just another day. We've got to go to the show. We've got to get all the horses ridden. Bolly's uh, got to go to the aqua tread. Um, it just, it's pretty much like that. I mean, Whew. there's definitely no, there's no real, especially this time of year when everything's up and running and we've got a lot of horses in and, and stuff. But I'll be honest with you guys, like, you know, that, the, that, that sort of stuff, like, that's sort of all part of it and I, I'm, I enjoy it. You know, I like being able to to um to spend time riding them and and i know that you know you got the yin with the yang sometimes you got to do a bit of stuff that's not as pleasant to be able to spend more time doing what you like doing and everyone sort of faces that so i'm lucky enough that i get to you know go back down to south and be in the warm and (laughs) ride some really nice horses you know so it's it's not it's not so bad (laughs) yeah speaking of nice horses you uh you have a you have a nice string that you're building up there my friend so uh why don't you talk about some of your notable competition horses that you got going there? Sure. Yeah, I, I'm. It's finally starting to feel like it's coming together. You know, it's taken a few years, but um, uh, my my sort of uh, flagship horse is uh, Bolly Tear B, um, or Bolly, or Bolly, or whatever you want to call him. <laughs> well, he's got lots of different names, but um, Bollywood, as I think we're calling him at the moment. <laughs> um, but uh, he he he's the numero uno. He's kind of the big dog in the stable right now, and um, he's qualified to go to Kentucky. And, and with that sort of being our plan, and he's just a remarkable horse, like a fantastic mover, a fantastic jumper, um, and just a beast of a cross country horse. He he really is the full package. Um, he's a Dutch horse um, by Holly. Uh, Polytair, son of Polytair, um, and then out of a Voltaire brother. So hmm. he's 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 very he's a Dutch horse and and um, sort of got kind of I would say classic Dutch breeding at least on my mother's side. And then 
Um, so he's owned by the Geeseman family, and I've been—he's actually the longest I've ever ridden the same horse consecutively in my life. Um, and oh. I've been riding him for I think three, uh, three and a half years. Um, so I'm uh, really excited about him. He feels really good. And then um, I have a couple of really nice young horses that I'm lucky to ride and, and have some awesome people have helped me, um, you know, kind of put that together. I've got Quadricana, who is a, a – she's a coming six-year-old mare. She's a German sport horse. Um, and she is – so you, you're familiar with Fischer Rakana, Michael Jung's mare. Oh, yeah. Or, so Fischer Rakana was one of three full sisters. Um, and um, – there's Fisher Rakana and Rakona, and they're both uh, rides that Michael Jung has. And then there was a third one, the older one, Rakana too, who was a broodmare. And uh, Quad Rakana, who I have, is the first um, the first foal of of her and of any three of them. So um, she's really wow. exciting. She's one of my favourite. I was so lucky to have got a hold of her, and she's um, she's got it all. She's she's smart. She's good mover she's a lovely jumper she's a real spitfire of a thing and i just absolutely love to ride her she, wow. um, how did you get fun. to jump the line on that horse i would have thought she would have had like you know uh, rights purchased well i think she was actually kind of hot and spicy um there when she was young I got her as a four-year-old and um she was a little spicy and probably not for everyone um but um, and it's actually my first mare that I've ever chosen. I'm not a. I would never have called myself a mare person at all. And now I'm absolutely like everyone says. You know, oh, when you get the right mare, you'll understand. And it's definitely true. Like now I've had a good one. I really, I'm grateful to have you know to have gotten to get a chance to do it. Um, so that's her. And 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 I really like. She's on a bit of a path to possibly go to Leon. That's sort of what I'd like to wow, aim awesome. for. The six-year-old and, and her auntie won that once upon a time. So you know, which like anything, it'll be one of these things where we'll just go along, move up the training, and if everything's going well, we'll go there. If not, no big deal. Um, but uh, yeah, she's owned by the Quadricana Syndicate, which is an awesome group of people that um, sort of come on board to help me with her. Um, then I got uh, Casalto, who's kind of one of the new guys. He's another um, another German guy, but he's uh, like like between Quadricana and Casalto, they're sort of like chalk and cheese. You know, she's kind of small <laughs> and and uh, she's small and sharp and and kind of in in uh, a little bit more like I guess a bit more trainable in that she's she very she really under it's like she speaks English. You know, I can really Casalto is the Ferrari like he is a fancy mover he's like just super gates he's like almost 70% thoroughbred um he's got fantastic breeding he's just flashy he's got a big scopey jump but he's a huge gallop he's just everything you want in a horse the only thing I'd say about him is, is he's just a little bit more sensitive um and I think he's just one of these horses like sometimes when I jump him at the very beginning Sometimes he's like, oh, my God, we're, we're jumping? And I was like, yeah, you know, like we do that all the time. And like he won't stop or anything like that, but it just takes him a few jumps to kind of get, oh, okay, I got this, and then he'll be awesome. Um, so I think for him, he's just going to have a year of just getting schooled, and he's still kind of growing a little bit. Like he got a little taller over the winter, and um, but a really, like, exciting one for the future. Like I, I don't know if they come any better than that. Uh, so I got him, and then I also ride another six-year-old horse named Spider-Man, who uh, belongs to um, uh, Sharon Scholl, uh, who bred him down in Texas. And he he's by High Scope, uh, Bruce Davidson's old uh, stallion, and then out of a, a mare that's actually produced a couple of event horses. So 
he's really big. He's really tall. He's like 18 hands. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, um, but he's a, he's a good boy, and he's really come along. So our goal for him is to get him to preliminary by the end of the year. And and then, you know, we sort of got a couple other horses that sort of come in and out and that are in for training. But I would say they're, those those four are sort of my competition horses right now. Wow. And, um, yeah, so pretty, it's, yeah. it's exciting. Like, I don't have... I don't have a, a huge string of horses, but the ones I do have are really, really nice. So yeah. I'm I'm grateful for that. Well, that's yeah, quality over quantity. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty good. That's great. I remember we remember when you got Bowley too. Uh, we saw Bowley, I think, at one of Boyd's show jumping. Uh, a little when he had opens the opens the place up for like the show jumping. Uh, yeah, the little like schooling days that yeah. he had. Yeah. yeah, remember seeing him. Yeah. He he's um he's an impressive horse. He, he wasn't always the, the easiest horse. Um, it sort of took a bit of time to get him, um, to, for him and I to sort of come up with a way. He was a little, he was very comfortable on his back legs and had a bit of spin move. And, <laughs> That's a nice um, way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but no, he he he's all business now. He's a he's a he's a total professional. He's and awesome. um, yeah. And, and, it's you know it's just one of these things that people talk about you know it sort of sounds a bit cliche and a bit a bit you know whatever that you know to have a partnership but it it really is a it's a real thing you know once you sort of get those few years and you go through some trials and tribulations and you sort of get to know the horses a bit more you know closely it it that's really makes a difference you know i i think yeah. more mm-hmm. like i've learned that more so with with the the experience with bowley and and sort of him coming around and, and hopefully getting going all the way. You know, it's, I've really, I, I think maybe before I, I maybe didn't appreciate that as much. Like now I really get it. Like you got to have a, you got to form a bit of a partnership with the good ones. And if they're going to really be your top mount, I, I don't think you can just do that sort of part time. I think yeah. you have to really have, do the miles on them and really train them the way they need to be trained and you'll figure that out once you get to know them you know yeah for sure so. and then you're you have the, all these young horses you're also on like the young event horse committee is that right from like the USEA? yeah the, yeah that is right yeah um i i really so i guess you could say my passions for I, i'm very passionate about eventing um just in general i i love the sport and i i would say that my sort of personal passions are more I'm sort of split 50-50. I absolutely love high-end, like, FEI competition, um, sort of the pointy end, and I absolutely love sourcing and finding and, and starting quality young horses. I, it, the young horse part, I guess I, that's sort of more my background, I guess, um, getting into it. And uh, I don't know. I just enjoy the process of learning about that, and, and always you're always learning something new and you know, it'd probably be a bit, a bit like being a talent scout, you know, that kind of thrill of trying to find the diamond in the rough and, and find the one that's got all the all the bits to to, to be a really top horse. I, I find that kind of uh, a bit addicting. So, that's cool. yeah, uh, and, and I'm trying to get a bit more involved, you know. A lot of people whinge and complain about things that are going wrong with the sport, and I was probably one of those people sometimes, and I figured, you know what, I'd try and be a little bit more proactive in becoming involved with... Um, you know, more of an official capacity. And so I thought like the Young Event Horse Committee was a place that I could start. So I love it. I love it. I see, yeah. I, you know, every once in a while you run across and you run across someone who's upset. And I do remember, I remember you, I think after one of the Young Event Horses, you know, kind of saying, well, what are they looking for here? What's going on like publicly? And, you know, you put your, you did the right thing. You said, you know what? I want to, I want to get more involved. I want to get in. I want to get uh, find out what exactly is going on here and learn more and maybe 
put my two cents in and help. And, and that's, I think, the, the right thing to do. A lot of people, they spend so much time complaining. They'd rather complain from the sidelines and criticize everybody than, you know, pick up the phone or shoot that email and say, hey, listen, I think I can offer something to this to help make this better. So I, think uh, I totally I totally agree with you, Robin. I, I would say that, you know, since sort of seeing it a little bit more from the other side of the curtain, it's. It's definitely really eye-opening, and I mean those guys like Marilyn Payne and Tim Holcamp and all those guys that they're, they're doing a fantastic job, and they really uh, like a lot of blood, sweat, and tears going into that to try and make this into something good. And um, yeah, I, I may not have had that if I hadn't got that perspective, I probably wouldn't have realized, you know, just how how hard people are working to try and make it good behind the scenes. And so I, I would encourage anyone um, who sort of you know maybe they're not satisfied with something to. You know, make a phone call, or send an email. They're always looking for someone. <laughs> you know, they're always looking for extra help and stuff. So well, you look at those committees. You look good. on those committees lists, and it's a lot of the same names over and over and over again. So I'm sure you know, fresh blood would be would be good. You know, yeah, can't yeah, absolutely. So here we go. All right, Dom, hold you your, ready for some fun? Hold on to your seat. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> always right. ready for some fun. All right, this this was Jimmy's favorite segment. It's uh, called Quick Fire Questions. Quick Fire Questions. I, okay, so I've got to be quick with them, do I? Yes. Uh, well, Any way you want to answer them. Yeah, you, you can, can, you can okay. be wordy if you want. It's going to be five questions. All right. So number one, if you could ride any horse, who would it be? Uh, that's a, I really like the horses I have right now. I love Bolly Tear B, but I know that's kind of a cliche answer. Um, if there was a horse out there that I could sit on, it would be um, Toledo de Cursa, who is ridden by Tom McEwen, hmm. um, the big French horse that won a, uh, I think it, I think it won a gold medal at the WEG this year. Um, I've always been a bit enamored with that horse. I uh, think it's as good a horse as I've ever seen. So. Awesome. Yeah. Very hmm. cool. Yeah. Do you have any good luck or superstitions before an event? Um, not too much. Um, I definitely don't want to mess around with the tack. Like if the horses have a certain way of, of like a certain set up i don't want to change that um i will say there's one thing i do that maybe not everyone agrees with but it, i wholeheartedly believe in it is um at the three-day events i do not want to show jump the horses with braids in i think that um hmm. like after the jog i like to take the braids out i feel like i feel like the horses uh, be more comfortable being able to stretch their neck without having the braids in and I, I prefer to have them unbraided for the show jump. So. I've thought about that before. I've, I've wondered about that. If a horse feels tight, you know, kind of clenched up. Hmm. I mean, I, I kind of think they could. Like, I mean, who knows how much difference it makes. But even if it makes a little bit of difference, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, for sure. So if you ever see Dom out there in show jumping, <laughs> or when you see Dom out there show jumping, he's not braided. <laughs> It's not because the groom is getting fired back at the bar. <laughs> no, 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 no. If anything, they're begging me to be able to break it because they get embarrassed. And uh, I'm like, you know what? I feel like if he's more comfortable, let him be more comfortable, you know? Awesome, awesome. Great okay. answer. So we're going to have Dom horses without braids and Jimmy with her show jump out. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, favorite event uh, that you've been to? Um, as a spectator, my favorite event um, has probably been Rolex um, or Land Rover. It was Rolex when I went there. It's now Land Rover. Um, mm-hmm. I think my favorite two events to compete at would be a tie between Bromont up in Canada. It's just such a beautiful place and it's such a great event. And then 
fair hill i have this like kind of um nervous anxious like it just saying it makes me feel <laughs> like i'm getting an ulcer um, but it also too it's one of those events you just got to respect it and you got to be ready and you got to have a, a proper horse and so I, I kind of you know even though it's a bit of a nerve-wracking event it's also the one that if you do get around you're like yeah like so i i like that event for that feeling it gives me one of my favorite photos i've ever taken is of you and bowley at fair hill leaving a jump after the sunken road type oh of yeah yeah it's home. a great picture and that horse is he is just oh, you just see power, power. I'll, yeah. I'll share that picture because it is just uh you know it's it's a it's a photo it's a still shot but you can see every muscle you can just see how the legs are just stretching out and then your your intensity bowley's intensity and it is just one of my all-time favorites. So it's a brilliant picture. Yeah. Thanks for taking it. Hey, well, hey, hey. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I'm patting myself on my back. <laughs> As if I wasn't like, hey, one of my favorite pictures of all times of you, I took. <laughs> awesome. I have some pretty good dressage pictures of you guys too. I, I don't know. You guys are photogenic together. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you were not an eventer, what would you be? Uh, you know, it's kind of a tough question because I um I've never really ever thought about it because I've always been had the fear of death that if I don't make this work, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do because uh, I didn't go to college or anything like that. But, um, you know, um, I don't know. I feel like if I had a choice, um, I would like to be a person that um, sources horses, like in Europe, like professionally, like goes around, does the rounds, drives around, mm. gets to know people. Um, I love finding young horses. So I think I would do that. I, I could see myself doing that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. fun. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. Who's a better rider, you or Jimmy? Ooh. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> I, I got to say, I think my wife has a lot of really awesome attributes that I aspire to have. Like, I just feel like she's she got a – I'm kind of the – the rider that sort of figured out a bit more to ride a bit, um, a bit more on my own. Um, and so I have a lot of bad habits that I'm like fighting with today. <laughs> just, just, you know, and position and just stuff that kind of can make a little bit of a difference in the dressage. Whereas my wife has got so many, like her position is normally so correct. Um, so I guess I'm kind of jealous about that. So I think, I think we have good and bad um, I think we have like you know uh, pros and cons to each of the way we ride. I, th- I think it's an even split right there. There you go. Good all answer. Right. She, I see Dom. Yeah. She she lures you in with all these kind of <laughs> oh you know favorite horse and venue. And next thing she hits you with the uppercut. Like all right, <laughs> this is it. Yeah, put, put your neck out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's that couch uh, looking? <laughs> But you survived. You survived. You survived. You survived. I survived. I made it to the other end. Um, So, all right. So we're done that. Um, If you had any advice for a young rider trying to make it in this sport, what would it be? Um, My advice, uh, sort of, I guess, practical advice would be to go and be a working student. and, And I would preface that with when you go to be a working student, you need to go to a be a working student with someone who has a um busy string is competing and i think you need to be a working student for at least two years and i think the reason for that is is you need to work hard enough that you actually get to experience the full spectrum of of what it takes and i think you need to get kind of beaten up a little bit and a little bit um not i don't mean that in a bad way i mean Mm -hmm. like you need to you need to be like laying in bed at night and questioning why are you doing this because 
if you're broke and you're working hard and you're sore and you're not sure what's going to happen and you're not sure if you're ever going to get there, that's the feeling that you have when you start out becoming a professional. And that's when it's for real, you know, it feels a lot more daunting. So I feel like if you can do that and you can figure out a way and you can be creative and you can work hard and you can talk less and listen more when, you know, from whoever you're working for and, I think you'll find the people that really take it seriously, uh, the working students that really are all in, um, they're not fair weather, they're, they're the ones that the opportunities open up for and they tend to be the ones that will go on and do it well, I think. Um, whereas I feel like people that, if you want to sort of have a go at this and be a professional and you had one horse and you got a bit of experience and you're a working student for a few months and then you set yourself up as a trainer, I feel like that's a lot of expectation. I feel like it's a lot of things that, I don't know, if, you're, if you don't feel quite prepared enough, I just think you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Um, the other thing I would give advice is, is travel. Travel as much as you can. Try to go overseas. Try to get other perspectives. And prepare to be able to be on the move. Um, you know, if you come from Idaho you know, and you want to be a professional event rider, you're either going to have to do a lot of driving and you're, you're going to have to move. You know, and I think... Sometimes I see people and they sort of, they want to have a bit of everything, you know, but at the end of the day, most of these professional riders that are doing it well, you know, they sacrifice, they sacrifice times with the family, they sacrifice, you know, being able to get to things and they've generally had to take the plunge and move somewhere that <laughs> maybe they didn't yeah. even want to move to, um, you know, so I think if you, if you can sort of be prepared to do those things and you, you really have that drive to be able to get you through even when it's a bit rough, then I think you're, all, you're already halfway there. That's, that's half the battle to me. So, um, so yeah, that, that would be my advice. Sounds like <laughs> yeah. pretty solid yeah, advice good to advice. me. <laughs> Heck, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> solid work by you. I love it. I love it. So, hey, we know you got a plane to catch, so we'll – I could talk to you all day, but we know you got a plane to catch, so we'll wind things down uh, here. That's- that's all right. It's getting so cold. I, I don't really want to go. But anyway, <laughs> Maybe if you, we can strategically help them miss his flight. You know, they can blame it on Major League. If I was doing a big time international podcast uh, interview, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but uh, sponsors and supporters, uh, and you know, it, we know it's pretty important stuff. So we want to make sure that we always recognize sponsors, supporters, anyone that you want to recognize that helps kind of grease the skids, so to speak, on stream equestrians. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, there's just no way I could even, I couldn't even think, I couldn't even dream about doing it um, without some of these people and what they've done for me. Um, and in, you know, sort of no specific order, my my, my owners and my best supporters, the Giesemann family, Dana and Manny Dima, Bill and Ingville Ramberg, they've uh, been just awesome friends to me and great supporters. Um, Susan Anway, Christina Matray, Tish Tealock, Anita and Don Cook, um, uh, Sharon Shaw, you know, these people have just been so awesome. Uh, Stormy Daniels, she supported me. Um, you know, these guys have just, I don't know, they sort of believe in the dream, um, you know, that I do. And it's so nice to have people sort of back you like that. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have these horses if it weren't for them. Cool. Um, so I'm extremely grateful to them. Um, I also have, uh, some great sponsors, I have uh, Steuben, Sartori, they, they're sort of our, our long-standing original sponsors that backed us kind of right from the get-go and have been just awesome to deal with ever since. Merck Animal Health with their Safeguard Wormers, I, I have great peace of mind knowing that we're using the best products for the, 
worming our horses and of course professionals choice which was kind of a childhood dream come true for me to uh, be involved with them because I always uh, sort of thought about wanting to be sponsored by them one day if I could ever possibly do it so it's uh, it's been awesome to have them come on board as well um, you know KER was an early sponsor of us and have just been awesome and to have Dr. Joe Pagan as a as a resource, the whole team, you know, when it comes to questions about nutrition and, you know, they've formulated special diets for some of our horses like Bolly. I mean, Bolly's comeback is a huge part of that was how we managed his diet after he had colic surgery. And if not for them, I don't think he would still even be here. Um, you know, got guys like uh, the guys at um, uh, uh, Legends Feeds, you know, like our horses have never looked better. Um, they, I, I don't want to ever have to feed anything else. I mean, the horses are doing so well on it. It pretty much covers all the range of the horses that we have in our barn. Um, the Jill at Malvin Saddlery has been super supportive of us and, and helped us get, um, you know, outfitted well. We have uh, high standards leather care um, to for keep our tack looking good. Uh, Abby Roadgroup, Stacey Yolenti is the best um, – equine accountant she she does such an amazing job for us because it's that's no easy task and we're so grateful to have her uh help us with that oh flexible fit the um joe everly's business from australia that gives us all the uh the accessories you know our breastplates and girths and all kinds of stuff um she's been awesome and uh yeah i mean it, it's like like i said just it's everyone you know our blacksmith dan Martzol and uh, you know our um, vet Kev Keen and um, and uh, Dr Zara like if all the if there was one sort of missing piece in that like it just can't work and so just I'm just so grateful um, that we've sort of I really feel like this year or this last year we've really finally got the the team that's ready to sort of be able to. I don't know, be able to really take us to the next level. So I'm excited about that, and I'm, I'm super you know, grateful to have had that support. That's awesome. Super work. Super work. And uh, for um, how can our listeners uh, follow you, either on social media? Um, yeah, sure. I, so I'm on Facebook, uh, so you just go and search Dom Shram, and, um, and then also our website, Shram Equestrian. I'm on Instagram, and uh, uh, I think I'm just dom.shram um, on Insta. Um, I, you know, I've sort of like a, I probably haven't been as busy on social media lately as, as I used to be just because I've just been busy and just trying to really get my head in the game. Right. And, but yeah, definitely, you know, when it comes to like clinics or um, anything like that or, you know, just like vi- training videos of my horses and results and stuff like that, I tend to post most of that on Facebook and, uh, you know, try and have a little bit of fun on there too. So. Super. <laughs> Well, man, Dom, yeah. thank you so much. This was uh, this was great, was super fun. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you squeezing us in on a layover of your flight. That's uh, we you know that 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 was really nice of you to do that. So, oh no, no problem. I wouldn't miss it, guys. I, I'm I'm looking <laughs> for. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I finally uh, got the invite, and uh, I'm proud to be on Major League Eventing's podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can leave us a review on Apple iTunes or visit us at MajorLeakEventing.com. Cheers.